if you could have any superpower, what wouldn't it be? Um, I would say x-ray vision. I've got no need for that. Nice. I don't need to see what's going on in there. That's hilarious. That is the best. I like that. She don't want no x-ray vision. She like X to x-ray vision. I don't need that at all. Welcome. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to Funny How Life Works. Hello. Where we use funny to help you understand how How are you doing? Life works. It's great to see you today. <laughs> I'm going to need you to act like you're a grown man, okay? <laughs> what are you, three years old? Hey, man. Oh, How are you, man? You brought good that up. to see I'm you, good. bro. Hey, it's good to see you, too. For real. Yeah. Pacao is with us, everyone. Thank you for, and everyone who's listening right now, thank you for all the, our listenership is blowing up. We got like three more people last week. It's like blowing up. That's a total yeah. of seven people who watch this thing. That is great, man. Your mom started watching, which is great. She been watching me for a while, man. That's dope. <laughs> you know, man. He's going on. Yeah, you know, like, I, your mom was here I, earlier, too. Gonna, yes, she was. I'm going to save all my responses after you set up the show. Okay. Yeah, I need to set the show up. So, um, I'm going to let you set it up, actually. <laughs> well, speaking of three-year-olds and blowing up, uh, did you know that there's a lot that you can learn about school and and dyslexia and other things if you pay attention to this interview today yes you might be wondering how could we learn about life and dyslexia and being able to read or not read from two brothers and, and a lawyer and a lawyer like this sounds like the beginning of a joke two black dudes and a lawyer walk into a studio like <laughs> how does this even gonna work we about to find out boom okay I love this podcast. You'll be laughing out loud and all of a sudden, boom, something that can really help you drops in your lap. I like it because I unexpectedly learn about life. It is so funny. I get to laugh and learn about life at the same time. I like listening to Funny How Life Works with the car of my parents. <laughs> with the car in my parents' okay. Yo, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Don't forget to go to michaeljr.com slash extra, and I'm going to give you a free download of my comedy special. michaeljr.com slash extra, so you can laugh with your whole family and even watch it and enjoy it. Anyway, just go there right now and get the, well, finish watching the podcast. Other than that, I appreciate you. For real. I'm out. All right, so now a little bit of banter. So we got Pakal here, everyone. Hey. Scent Church. Pakai was here. He's a pastor at Scent Church, actually. You go to Scent Church. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, I lead there. I get to cast You vision. lead there. You lead everywhere, though. You're a leader. Oh, thank you. Like, you really are, man. You're a good leader. I receive that. You are a great leader, man, for real. I appreciate that. I mean that, for real. If I, not, I wouldn't, we wouldn't be cool. Uh, really? You wouldn't be my friend if I was a nah, poor leader? it'd be too much work. Be <laughs> I work. figured you'd mentor me or something. No, no, I've been there before. I wouldn't mentor you unless I really felt like I was supposed to. Because there's a lot of people who need help, but I can't, I can't reach them all. So I got to be strategic about who I'll spend that time with. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Just, well, actually, wait, let's do a couple things before I ask you this question. I want to remind people to subscribe and Subscribe. Review. And if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, leave a comment, tell some other people about it. That'll be awesome. And yeah, because they'll get it notified every Tuesday when the new episode is You'll get a up. notification every yeah. doggone Tuesday. How often yeah. do you push no in your notifications when you put on a new app? Oh, for me, quite often. Often. I'm like <laughs> at least, I'm, I got to be 99.79%. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I don't want to be notified. Let me ask you this. Do you ever call and leave voicemails on any other apps or podcasts that you listen to? 
Well, you can on this one. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> you sure can. You can leave a voicemail. Just have, call 214-308-1177. We get some cool voicemails. Leave a, we get some nice voicemails. Let's listen to a voicemail right now, shall we? Shall we? We'll listen to a voicemail. We shall. We have an awesome guest today. I'm super excited about our guest. But you can you pronounce her last name? We'll find out in yeah, a minute. after she says it, I can. Yeah. All right. Here it is. Voicemail. Go. Diana from California. Michael Jr. I was wondering how you deal with the darkness of more modern times like we have. Um, I really don't know how to word this any better. Um, you bring a lot of laughter. You bring a lot of joy. And I feel that that is um, the Holy Spirit communicating through you for us as viewers and people who follow you. Um, so, yeah, I was wondering how you take these things that you kind of give us hope with and whatnot. How do you apply that to more uh, right now times? You know, things are very difficult. And, um, you know, we have a lot of d devices and, like, gadgets and things that distract us and uh, mislead us. And everything just has this layer of dark to it, like darkness. You know, it feels very nefarious. Wow. So, if this makes any sense, if you can, how do you apply that wow. to, to the here and now? You know, more modern day life and realistic. Um, okay. You know, uh, life, you need to stop. I really can't work. You need to stop, okay. man. So, so wait, 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 wait. Before you, before you go, let me say this. As the listeners were listening to that, did you pay attention to how you feel? How, how you felt as she went on. Did you notice how you felt as she went on talking about the dark things? Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so here's what happened. First of all, thank you so much for calling. Diana. Uh, Diana, thank you so much for calling. Um, so wherever your focus goes is where all your energy is going to flow. Right? So I didn't write that. That's Tony Robbins. Anyway, so um, <laughs> if I said to you, have you ever seen a dog that got hit by a car your brain actually will give you an image and put some images together or it'll bring back a memory of that then if i say to you have you ever seen somebody getting beat up you'll see that your brain will see it and then if i continue to ask questions about things that are negative your brain is going to continue to show you pictures of things that are negative if you do this enough you won't even have to ask your brain to show you these things it'll just be on alert to look for it because you have this thing called the a reticular activating system in your brain that's looking for whatever is most you're most interested in. Just like on Facebook, you ever notice how the ads pop up and they're really stuff that you're interested in? It's because they know what you're interested in. They want to show that to you. So your brain is working the same way. So what you want to do is choose what you're going to focus on. Because if you focus on the negative things, that's what you're going to see. Here's a sample right now. How many items in the room that you're in? I'm talking to all the listeners. How many items in the room are have the color red in it? Count how many items there are. Just count as many as you can. Look around. Our guest is even doing it, even though I only see blue in the room. But notice <laughs> how many items are red, just the red items. Now, you're probably noticing some items. In fact, do this, uh, all guest. Notice all the red. Count as many red items as you can. Now, as long as you're not driving and stuff, go ahead and close your eyes. I'm going to have our guest do this as well. <laughs> Jen, go ahead and close your eyes real quick. 
And then tell me, because I'm sure your speaker's on, tell me how many things, Jen, you saw in your room, because you're just going to be a teacher in a moment. How many things you see in your room that were blue? A whole lot. Okay. There's a lot in this room that's blue. Yeah. How many, how many red items did you see? Three. Three. So if you open your eyes now, is there, I mean, it's your room, you're familiar with it, whatever. Is there, is there more blue than there was than you thought? Even, even as you thought, wow, it's a lot of blue in this room. No, actually, I guess there's less. <laughs> there's less. Oh, so you overcompensated because you're like, ooh, blue has got to be a lot of blue. So <laughs> for the listeners, how many of you guys noticed less blue when your eyes were closed? I did, I did, I did. Those are the listeners. <laughs> I certainly hope not. They crazy. So, I'm sorry. So the, reason, so the reason you just saw the red, the reason you didn't notice the blue before, listeners, is because you were only looking for red. you got to make a choice on what it is you're going to look for. Otherwise, you're going to find it. I, can I respond to Diana? No. All right. Well, Go ahead. Because she was wondering what you think. Maybe yeah. she – I would just say this. I'm in a season of my own leadership journey where I'm really trying to listen to people's feelings and not obsess over the facts because for me, I can start to debate in my mind as I listen to her voicemail about, is it darker now than it used to be? And is she right or is she not right? And I just think when I hear her feelings, regardless of the facts, Diana's in a place where, yeah, she feels like things are pretty dark. And I think if she says, how do you deal with that? I think you don't obsess about the darkness. Mm -hmm. The right. darkness has been there. And the facts about the levels of darkness, you don't even debate about that. Right. Just don't allow yourself to obsess over it. Absolutely. I was thinking, I, I've thought this, this thought before, and I know we got to get into the interview, but like, it, part of it is news coverage because it's 24 hours now. Like, you know, in 1979, there was like genocide happening in Cambodia. There was an oil right. crisis. There was all this right, stuff happening. Right. But we didn't have like 24-hour news about well, it. Well, here's the money, though, is you still got that little circle with the line through it on your remote. You can still turn it <laughs> off. You don't got to watch it. So right. it doesn't have to be 24 hours. Right. Like, right. we're not even a victim in that respect. Yeah. So. Okay. I got some questions I need to ask you to set know, up this interview. To set up the interview? Yes. Questions about, okay, so we, we, I need you we're about to, to learn about uh, yeah. um, being uh, less distic. Yeah, this is the setup. Yeah. Jen's going to have some. She's going to have a punchline. Look. Okay, let's do it. For those that have never heard you talk about your childhood experience, what was your school experience like? Wow, that's that where you we're can gonna remember? go. School yeah. experience, yeah, that you can remember. Man, I just did a bunch of work on this too, man. My school experience was not great. I remember I actually I graduated high school, mm -hmm. and it was a little weird because my parents were like, they celebrated when I graduated. What did you struggle with the most? But here's what I mean: they celebrated a little too much. <laughs> like, like they were very excited and happy about the fact that I graduated and it was like yay and all and I was at, at, at some point I be, it, it dawned on me snap they didn't they didn't think I was gonna do this oh, <laughs> like, man. no for real but my parents you. are dope I talked to my dad earlier today. what what'd you struggle with the most in school um I would say I struggled most with the probably reading I didn't like reading at all and I didn't I really like math but I only like math if it made sense if it was just numbers, I don't care. But if there are some people involved with the numbers or a scenario or a situation, then it would come to life. It would come alive for me. Do you remember how it made you feel when you struggled with reading? So how did it make me feel? I didn't feel anything from struggling with the reading. 
afterwards, my response was more, um, I think I, my struggle was with the anticipated response from the other kids. That's where the pain really came from. I mean, some of that is probably in retrospect. But yeah, if I felt like uh, maybe I felt less than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have like a specific story or any memory that comes to mind? Like, from yeah, school? dude, I got one. There was a girl that I really liked a lot. Um, is Jen taking us on a ride right now? You gonna show us your house? <laughs> and over here is my pool. <laughs> and here, hey Jen, first of all, you, your house is pretty white. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Oh, like you got gosh. a lot of your house is white, white. You just disappeared yeah. in your house just now. She wanted to take us to the K room. She's like, oh, uh-huh. you got Kyle hey, on the phone. You only got K room. You only got one K, right? It's not two more of them hidden somewhere in the house. Oh right? wow, wow, <laughs> I'm just that ain't right. Playing. What was the question? Oh, I do remember one specific like, dude. There yeah. was one. There's this girl like Danielle. I'm not gonna say her last name because okay. she's probably gonna think I still like her. I don't, Danielle. <laughs> but I want to say her last name because it's better. I was just uh, Danielle. Um, anyway, I'm not gonna say her last name. I don't even think I know her last name. I do. Anyway, <laughs> so I really like Danielle a lot. But Dan, so I was put into a special ed classroom because they told me you don't know how to learn or whatever, right? But they didn't tell me that. But it was like, mm-hmm. just go over here. You'll, you'll you're gonna be good with your hands, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they put me in a special ed classroom, and Danielle was not in a special ed classroom. She was in, I guess, what you would call a regular ed classroom. And I really liked her a lot, but I never really, I didn't really have a lot of courage to walk up to her and say, "Hey, yo, what's up?" Right? And especially since I was in a special ed classroom. But one day, for one, one period, I had health class, and it was in a regular ed classroom. Danielle was in a doggone classroom, and I really liked her a lot. And then I noticed one day, I just this was like day three in the classroom, Mr. Weddle's classroom. Mr. Weddle has the, the, the students reading a book together. Stand up and read mm. out loud. Mm. Dude, so I'm doing the math. I'm like, snap, this is going to get to me like pretty soon. So I'm doing the math. Everybody got to do a paragraph. And we get to my, um, we, we get like two people down from me. And I'm, of course, trying to lead, go ahead and read the paragraph first. But it's a lot of math and a lot of doggone pressure. Yeah. And then they get to the person next to me. And then as soon as that person is done reading, Mr. Weddle's like, okay, class dismissed. Wow. So the next day we come into class, I think it's like a Monday. My brain ain't even thinking about that. So I'm not quite ready. So they say, go ahead and, uh, all right, we're going to pick up our reading. And I can still remember what the book looked like because there's a, whenever there's a motion attached to it. So I stand up to read this thing. And, and the first word um, was like an, A-N, simple word. The second word was maybe a four-letter word. Like, I don't know what it was. But I get stuck and I freeze. But some of this, like I, I, I could read the word, but some of it was, it was so much pressure built up. And then I finish that word. I go probably for a sentence or so, and I get stuck, stuck. And then I hear a voice correct me, and it's Danielle. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, snap. And then I, so I go ahead and read some more, and the pressure is building even more. I get to another word, and I'm stuck, and I can't get past it. And it must have been, in my mind, eight minutes go yeah. by. Yeah. But it wasn't eight minutes. It was probably more like 40 seconds. Yeah. And then Mr. Weddle says, you know what? Go ahead and sit down. Mm. And then this is the beginning of class. So I have to sit in that for the rest of the doggone class. Wow. It was horrible. What, 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 what did letters do when you looked at them on the page? 
They didn't do anything. They should have spoke. They should have said, yo, this is what I am. But they didn't do anything at all. Um, and I think some of it got perpetuated because, like, think about that scenario. I'm in a scenario. There's a lot of pressure. There's emotion involved. And then there's failure at the end of it. So the next time I go to read, all of those same emotions come up again. In fact, that's one of the things on my list that I'm going to work on. I know how to do this, like, personally. I want to also eat eggs. I've been eating eggs in, like, 30-some years. So I'm going to revisit that with a new mind and retweak those things because there's still a lot of emotion involved when it comes to doing that. Last question before we introduce the guests. At some point, in moments like that, it seems that you discovered that comedy could help ease the tension. Mm -hmm. You remember when that was? When did you begin to realize that if you could laugh through it or make people laugh? Yeah. I think laughter was was a... uh, Laughter was, at first... Yeah, it was a tool, not so much to get through it, but a tool to get accepted. Like, because if I can make people laugh, they would accept me, and then it didn't matter about the reading or any of the other stuff because, yo, I'm, like, accepted. Like, I'm doing really good as a result of, of this. So I really used it just as acceptance, not specifically like, hey, I can't read, but two dudes walked into a bar with an attorney. Like, I, like it wasn't that direct, yeah. <laughs> but it was pretty uh, direct as well. So today's guest has been an... Oh, wait. Do you want to do a non-sponsor sponsor before we introduce her? No, it's okay. All right. Today's guest has been an advocate, not only for her own son, but for others who struggle with literary issues here in America. And so I want you to give a warm welcome to a mom, an attorney, an advocate, a change maker. Would you give it up for Jen Knopf? Knopf. Yay, Jen. Doom, doom, Jen. Doom, doom, Jen. There's a random human walking behind you, Jen. I know. This is, uh, I'm trying to keep a decent uh, Wi-Fi, and oh. it's becoming a challenge. So yeah. I've got a husband meandering around, and no, God only right. knows what else will happen. We don't mean in life, just in the room. Okay. Yeah. That'd be weird if you just, uh, that's just how it is. He meanders. Are you are you willing to say who your Wi-Fi provider is, your, your internet service I provider am. is? I am. I actually would like to because I feel like <laughs> maybe if we have a public platform, something can change. Yeah. So Spectrum, yeah. um, we wow. just upgraded again. Look at us. It's like oh, what's wow. happening here. It's rixelated. Uh, hey, so let me say this though, because this is how awesome God is. Check yeah. it out. So most people have very fast wi-fi in the way that they um do life because wi-fi is like think about this everything gives you access to the rest of the world right and some people don't have super fast wi-fi so the parallel i'm making here is with regards to reading some people just naturally read the way that we're taught similar to just having super fast wi-fi but for those who are viewing right now and seeing this Like, it's actually a perfect illustration, meaning some people don't think the way that other people think, yet if we embrace it, which has been my experience, if we embrace thinking in a different way, we'll find some gold there that people would have never found otherwise to the point where we can excel past what was ever expected before. Am am I kind of teeing up what it is you're going to talk to us about today or or not really? Or does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Tell us your story. Tell us, tell us what's, what's cracking with you, your story and stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know exactly where to start, but. Um, so when you were uh, born, how much did you weigh? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I would read. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Reed is actually uh, my son. I have two children. I've got a 15-year-old daughter 
And my son Reed is now 11 years old. So he's in fifth grade. And, um, you know, really the story of the charitable foundation we have now that's named after him is as a result of, um, you know, had a lot of struggle to have Reed. Um, and, you know, he has the same parents, um, access to, he's been read to since he was in utero because he had a big sister that was, you know, read to every night. Um, and, you know, Reed was born a really healthy, happy, joyful little kid that, um, was also really creative and, you know, at four years old could successfully, uh, set up a booby trap in his sister's bathroom and it could actually work. Um, nice. and really articulate. And when you and say booby trap, you, just for our listeners, just to make sure it's like a little, a toy truck. Cause <laughs> when you talk about little boys and. And booby traps. It's something different. Man. I'm just saying, like a little boy, because he's not 11. Oh, you said when he was four. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's different. Because so when I was I'll a little boy, it was booby traps or something different. I thought it was a like successful a booby trap for a four-year-old, um, which is pretty impressive, I think, was taking a um, fishing line from the garage and then going into his sister's bathroom, tying it up to the handle of the toilet um, handle the faucet in the shower, the faucet in the sink, and the doorknob so that when you open the door, wow. it would turn on all, all the water. water. Oh, man. Man, at four um, years old? I thought that was pretty impressive at, you know, four years old. Like, very engineering. Yeah. I, I My brain does not work like that. It's like Macaulay um, Culkin, wow. Home Alone. Wow. Yeah, well, he great. did. He was inspired by Home Alone. Okay. Um, that's He maybe watched it a little too early. Uh, <laughs> wow. So. We had booby traps happening, but like a really bright kid mm-hmm. and, um, you know, started preschool the same time as his sister. And I would say by, you know, even three years old, uh, he didn't really know his letters and letter sounds. And because he had an older sister that learning, you know, came really easy to, I noticed, you know, that and moved him to a different preschool and then moved him to a, you know, fancy like K-4 program. Right. And, you know, they would say to me, um, you know, I just don't think he's trying very hard, but he's also a little boy and, you know, mm. boys don't care as much. You know, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll catch up, you know, worst. obviously a bright kid because he was articulate and those kinds of things. So I think, though, in the back of my mind, I, f- I felt like there was something more, you know, going on. So there was a day and, he came home from school and declared yeah. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in first grade, middle of first grade. Um, he came home and I was trying to help him with a spelling test and he just burst into tears and said, you know, mom, um, I always get emotional when I say Mm -hmm. this. He's like, I'm the, you know, dumbest kid in my class. Everybody makes fun of me and says, Reed can't read. Um, Mm -hmm. please don't make me go back there. You know, at six years old, he's just like. It's just not for me. And, you know, he told me that the teacher made him stand up in front of class every day to read, knowing that, you know, he couldn't read. And I, I didn't not believe him, but I, I thought maybe it had only happened like one time and it was so embarrassing, you know, Michael Jr. to your, mm-hmm. you know, kind of example that, um, that he was afraid it would happen again. Um, but when I went into the school, they acknowledged that the teacher, what, you know, she said she was doing that and she said, you know, he's a social kid and 
we kind of feel like if we keep doing that, he's not going to want to not be successful in front of his classmates and he's going to start trying harder, you know, to read. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what I said to them is like, you're breaking him, you know, he's, he's six and he doesn't want to go to school anymore. And that's unfortunate because we got a lot of school, (laughs) a lot of school left to do. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? You know, I said, we're, we, he had a private tutor at that point. Um, and he's six, uh, which is bonkers. And, you know, he's in this fancy private school and I'm Mm -hmm. working with him every single night. I said, you know, he's a lot of things. He's not lazy. Mm -hmm. Um, we're working really hard. I'm almost embarrassed to say how hard we're working Mm -hmm. and, you know, I need help. This is a school that had been around for, um, half a century and really well known in our community for their English, you know, language arts like program and how these kids come out, mm-hmm. you know, like such great reader, writer, spellers. So I thought they're going to be able to help me. You know, I'm confessing that we're having a hard time and they're going to be able to help me. And they just said, you know, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. He needs to memorize it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I then asked, could you just not make him stand up in front of the class every day to read? That is, it's breaking his spirit. And he's gone from this really joyful little guy to a really sad little guy. And um, they said they wouldn't do it. They considered it an accommodation. And unless they had some kind of diagnosis that um, said that they couldn't, that they wouldn't stop doing that. So that was the catalyst for getting my son tested. And he had uh, dyslexia and dysgraphia, which is kind of like the handwriting piece mm-hmm. of you know, getting your words on the paper and, um, ADD, which is at oh, least wow. a 50% mm-hmm. comorbidity mm-hmm. with, um, dyslexia, not it's, hyperactive, inattentive. So let me ask you um, something. This, yeah. you tell me if this is wrong. If like, I, before I know the full story, I'm going to tell you what I say to kids or parents when they come to me after one of my events. And, uh, this may, um, this may be wrong. I don't know, but this is what I always say. So a mom will walk up to me. I'm doing it for two reasons. One, I'm breaking a pattern, and one, I'm, it's, I'm excited. She'll walk up to me in tears because I'll tell one of my stories about reading. And then she'll say, my son, in fact, David, who's on my uh, prayer squad, his daughter is this way. But he said, they'll say, my son has dyslexia, and, um, and it, it's, it's, it's so hard. They'll say something like that. And then my next line to them is, yo, congratulations. That is awesome. Then I'll kneel down to the kid and be like, you are going to be doggone amazing. And I'll give him a high five, and then we'll just talk a whole bunch about stuff. I'll say, do you know that there's a job, there's jobs at NASA that if you get an A-plus on a test, you lose. You can't actually get the job. They won't hire you because you don't think the way that people like you think. And I pointed at the little chest or whatever. I actually get excited for, for people like in a, in a significant way, like immediately. Is that wrong in your opinion? Like, what are your thoughts around that? No, I'm exactly the same way. I, yeah. you know, I, it has been a gift yes. in the last four years to really learn, you know, what dyslexia is. And yes, there's stuff that can be really difficult about it, completely preventable by the way, which is what we do as a foundation. But, um, I have yet to meet a dyslexic person who is not uniquely and extraordinarily gifted in at least one thing in a way that other people are not. Sometimes they don't know what it is um, because what I also find with folks that have experienced struggle like this at such an early age, 
anything that they're good at, they think that it's not special and that everybody must be good at it. Wow. Because if they're good at it, everybody must be. Especially so, so, if the educational system has made them feel less than. Yeah. Even yes. more so. And it starts it starts so early. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really where the trauma it's called school trauma and it's really real. You know, the first measure inappropriately that we kind of put on kids in kindergarten, you know, so four and five years old is, you know, the first measure of intelligence is who reads, who reads first and who reads the fastest. Mm -hmm. Like that's somehow indicative of intelligence, but it's really not. Um, And the truth is that dyslexics tend to be the slowest at picking up learning to read, write, and spell. Mm-hmm. But um, part of the definition of dyslexia is an unexpected difficulty in learning how to read, write, and spell. And it's unexpected because they're so bright. So, Jen, so, yeah. you, you seem very calm and mild-mannered. When you get, <laughs> I can picture you talking to the school, asking them maybe in tears to stop making them stand up and read. And they're like, we can't do that unless you have a diagnosis. When you got that diagnosis back, did you walk up in the school, slam that diagnosis down on the desk and say, now what? You're going to stop making my son stand up and read. You're going to do something different. Did you turn into like ferocious mama bear in that moment? I'm ashamed to say that I didn't. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. know enough right. yet. And mm-hmm. so I really trusted the school when I when I got the diagnosis. I was like, oh, now they're going to be able to help me because mm-hmm. – now we know what it is. You know, my background is not in education um, at all. I'm, a, I'm an attorney. And so, um, you know, we're at this very nice private school that's been around for 50 years. I'm like, oh, this, thank God. And they're saying it's one in five have dyslexia. One in five people you meet. I'm like, the school, like, now we're going to know what to do. And instead, to my absolute shock, it was like they knew nothing about what dyslexia was. The uh, guidance that I'd been given by the academic tester was like, these are the things you need to do at the school. Uh, They refused to do all of them. They said, you need this, your son needs this curriculum called Orton Gillingham. Of course, I had no idea what that was. Neither did the school. Thank God I have the ability to research um, right. and, you know, started well, researching, like, what is internet, this What's your internet, though? I'm not sure if you follow us Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> there's that. There is that. You still got to dial up. So here's is a mom. Is it still terrible? Is it still it's, terrible? We can hear you fine. It's really bad. You just turned into a Chinese I'm woman. just like. Like, it's really bad right now. We can't okay. see anything. You just see fuzzy version. <laughs> but. So you, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. did you? So did you later eventually turn into ferocious mama bear? Then is that she how is right now? Look got? how pixelated she is. You can tell, no, I'm just uh, <laughs> okay. No, it's fine. I um I think that yes. Um, and what I really try to do is take the anger, frustration, guilt, and um, heartbreak of what my son went through. Um into something much more positive, which is trying to help other families and prevent this from happening in their lives. Mm -hmm. Because we are a really fortunate family in that we had the resources to be able to get our son what he needed, even though it wasn't available in his school and had to do that privately. Um, I could quit my job as a lawyer and drive all over God's green earth to get him to the places that he needed to be. But the sacrifice 
for our whole family um, was significant. And, you know, I, I, it was very clear to me very early on, we are the lucky ones and this doesn't feel very lucky. So what happens to anybody who doesn't have the resources that we have when one in five kiddos are impacted like this? And the answer is most families will never get what our son's getting if somebody doesn't change what we're doing. So Uh, he's got nothing moments that I'm going to go off the cuff on is that moment when Jen realized that she brought back the dyslexia diagnosis in this private school with abundant resources and money and well-educated teachers didn't know what to do and they didn't respond to her. And I think it's this picture of life. You can have all the money, all the wealth, all the resources in the world, but if you don't have the heart and the knowledge, you can't serve people most effectively. Your money, your wealth, your resources are not what define you or your ability to make a mark in the world. What so often makes the difference is the person has the heart and the desire to learn how to best help people. And so I just think that there are some people who are listening to this podcast Mm -hmm. and they've got a lot of resources. But I think the key from Jen's story is do you have the heart and the willingness to admit your ignorance and then step up to serve people in the most effective way? Boom. So Jen, how can people follow your charitable foundation, social media platforms? Like how do we best promote or steer people? Yeah. We want people to know all about the organization. Thank you. Um, so the website is www.read and it's R E E D charitable foundation.org. Cool. It's going to be linked in the show notes too. Yeah. Go ahead. And we, um, we're on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube. Beautiful. We actually have a lot of really cool um, videos from you know our events in the past, all of the kiddos and professionals that were highlighted, kind of telling their you know story, and also you know for families who might be looking um, to you know like what is dyslexia? Can I learn more? There's some really good, some great videos, things you don't necessarily have to read because dyslexia is heritable. So a lot of times if you have a kiddo who's struggling, you might also have a parent who is as well. And so we try to make it as accessible as possible. Okay. That is awesome. So, so well, because we're going to have her spin the wheel. Yeah. Spin the wheel. But then I get to go off the cuff for episode one. Yes. So here's what we're going to do as soon as this dude with the lawnmower is done. We're going to have you spin a wheel. So all you do is hold your hand up like this and act like you're spinning a wheel and a random question would pop up and be generated. And we're going to cut this into two episodes because it's so powerful. Uh, so you'll actually be on two episodes. So we'll promote this thing twice. It'd be cool. And we're getting, our listenership is growing all the time. As I mentioned earlier, we got seven Oh, I heard. Yeah, that three last week alone. <laughs> That's well, yeah. So Jen, take your finger and sp- spin the wheel. We're going to tell you what question spinning. pops up. And okay. then do I just like yeah, stop? Yeah, you can yeah, stop you now. Spin. Okay, cool. Here it is. And I'll read it. Uh, uh, I'm just playing. <laughs> that was comedy. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, what wouldn't it be? What would it not be? What would it not be? Yeah. Ooh, it's a little twisted up right there. You did twist it up. Yeah. I was all pumped up about what it was going to be. What is your least 
favorite superpower? Um, I would say x-ray vision. I've got no need for that. Nice. I don't need to see what's going on in there. That's hilarious. That is the best. Right. I like that. She don't want no x-ray vision. She like X to x-ray vision. I don't need that at all. This is dope. That. You're amazing. Thank you so much for being on here.